Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! And this is Not the Beginning, the podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Dragon Reborn, please proceed with caution. Matt unsheathed his belt knife and hesitated. Luck. It only explodes sometimes, she said. Luck. As carefully as he could, he slit along the length of the tube. It was a tube, and of paper, as he had thought. He had found bits of paper on the ground after fireworks were set off back home. Layers of paper. But all that filled the inside was something that looked like dirt, or maybe tiny gray-black pebbles and dust. He stirred them on his palm with one finger. How in the light could pebbles explode? On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing chapters 41 to 46 of The Dragon Reborn. Note. I have not read past chapter 46, and Will is going to do his best not to bring anything from the rest of The Dragon Reborn or the next 11 books in during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 46, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read them. Chapter summaries, as always, from dragonmount.com. Perrin and company arrive in Iliad. Fael swears on her hunter's oath to obey Moraine and is allowed to accompany them. Perrin's party finds an inn. Loyal feels that something is wrong with the city. They are attacked by gray men, after which Moraine goes out into the city alone. Perrin finds dark hound paw prints outside the inn. He seeks out Hopper in the wolf dream and is told to wake and flee. Moraine returns with news that one of the Forsaken rules an Ilian. Lan has killed one dark hound, but more chase Perrin's group as they flee Ilian on horseback. Moraine balefires the rest of the hounds. Matt experiments with fireworks and dispatches another band of dark friends. Matt and Tom arrive in Camelin. Matt attempts to deliver Elaine's letter to the palace and is rebuffed. He joins Tom at the Queen's Blessing and Lord learns of Lord Gabriel. Matt climbs the same garden wall Rand once did and enters the palace, and overhears Gabriel ordering Lord Comar to murder Elaine along with Egwene and Nynaeve. Guardsman Talonvor takes him to Morgays, but Matt is unable to alert the Queen to Gabriel's treachery. All right, we're going to get to it, but this is the Matt's a little shit episode. It is. Uh, actually, it's not he's a little shit. It's he's disaster by man. Yeah, he is the epitome of disaster by in this section. Oh, my God. Well, oh, no, 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 he's not. He gets way, way, way worse. Oh, so even more so. This is why he's one of my favorites. Yes. Him and Fael are just like saving the end of the book for me. A little bit. Because like he's being just a little, he's being a little shit. He's being like total disaster by. And Fael is just bringing out this like grumpy energy in Perrin that I absolutely love. Yes. She's just like this like little sunshine and Perrin's like grumble, grumble, grumble. I don't want, (laughs) I don't want you to be here. Speaking of Perrin, let's start with Perrin, because the Matt stuff is where we end. Yeah, the we Matt start with Perrin. Perrin, they, they're on a boat. They're on a boat. <laughs> Why this For a book where they spend more time on different boats, Bail Domon does not appear at all. So he doesn't show up at all yet? No, Bail Domon's not in this book. Where do he be? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Because it's a real shame since I, we he saw that. He showed up in books one and two. Also, because you saw that thing on Twitter, and oh now I can't stop thinking about it. Lesbian and pirate Bail Domon. Bail Domon is forever a lesbian in my head now. I don't care. 
I think it was actually lesbian pirate Gail Domon. Gail Domon, yes. And, um, okay, it would be a fucking huge change, but it would be amazing. I, it wouldn't even be a huge change. He's not that big of a character. Lesbian pirate Gail Domon is something we all need in our lives. I can't wait until I've read enough of this book series that I can start writing fan fiction oh, because man. that is absolutely the first one I'm You writing. don't even know. <laughs> it gets so much better as a concept. But Gail Domon is not here. Neither is Gail Domon. No. Gail Domon only lives in our hearts. (laughs) Perrin is, though. Perrin is. And he is living out one of my favorite tropes, which is grumpy sunshine. Yep. Because Fael is just inserting herself into his life. And he does not want any part of it. She's not really, like, sunshine, but she's, like, energetic. And she wants to be there. And Perrin very much does not want to be here. It still hits the grumpy sunshine trope, which is... I I think you're right. It absolutely... Absolutely hits. And the, the, it really kind of ratchets up in Alien. It does. So we start on the boat, which leads to one of my favorite moments in this section. Because Moraine has found out that Fayil not only knows who they are, she doesn't care about that. She's like, yeah, my face is what my face is. She was going to figure it out eventually. Right. But she <laughs> finds out that Fayil thinks that they're going to lead her to the Horn. And Perrin apparently knew. And Moraine's not happy with anyone. Nope. And Lan is just amused. He's just like sitting back and staring between Moraine and Fael, who are giving each other death glares, and he's just like smiling. Yeah, because the whole time on the boat, Fael and Moraine are doing this like dance where they'll be on other sides of the ship, just staring each other down and like rotating and like giving Perrin just Perrin's caught in the middle. And so is Lan. Because... Lan is less caught in the middle because Lan doesn't give a fuck about Fael. No, he doesn't, but he's just like he's just like looking on with like a smirk. And this is one of the rare moments of book Lan that I actually see Daniel Henney in my head because yeah. book show or book land and show land are very different. They are. I love them both equally. Yes. But this is one of the rare moments where I actually see show land because he's I can just see him like sitting back and smirking. The snark. And the snark. And Maureen just like comments like, oh, you find this funny? And he's like, I'm not laughing at you, Maureen. If, if Maureen and land were a trope, they'd be grumpy, grumpy. <laughs> They're both grumpy. They're both grumpy. So he's like, Moraine, of course I'm not laughing at you. Although, if you intend on shipping me off to whoever, I better get used to smiling. Apparently she likes to tell her warders jokes. Right. And I just like... I don't know where it came from, but yeah, love it. Yeah, so they're on the boat. Lan's being snarky. Perrin's caught in the middle. Fael thinks they're taking her to the horn. They get off an alien. I mean, she's technically not wrong. They are leading her to the horn. Are they? The horn's in Tarvalin. Well, they know. They're not going to Tarvalin. They're not going to the horn, but uh, she knows where the horn is now. No, she doesn't. Well, she knows people who know where the horn is. Do they know where the horn is? I don't know that Perrin knows where the horn is. I guess they did send it with that. Yeah. So they do know. But, like, not a whole bunch of people know. No, not a whole bunch of people know. Like, they, they shipped it with Matt and the, the thing with Matt was like, oh, he's dying from the dagger. And the attention was all on the dagger and they just kind of secreted the horn off to the tower. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. technically they do know where the horn is. I th- and she yeah, is with them. That's true. That is true. But they're but not going there. They're not going there. Anyway, they get off the boat in Iliad and, like, instantly, like, the the moment their feet touch the docks, Fael might even still be on the boat. Moraine turns around and is like, swear to me on your hunter's oath that you are going to come with us or that you're going to do exactly as I say with literally no questions asked and that's the only way I'll let you come with And she's like, okay, sure. She does not know what she got into. No, she doesn't. And then she whirls around and looks at Perrin and is like, she's your responsibility. Yep. And he's just like, I don't grumble, grumble, grumble. I don't want this. Yeah. And instantly, right after that, he's like, but Matt blew the horn. 
No, that's later. No, later is when he says that Rand's the dragon. First, he tells her that the horn's been blown. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. She's like, wait, what? And it's like a one-two punch because it's like Le- uh, Perrin is Taviran and Matt blew the horn. And Fael is just standing there like her whole life is in shambles. <laughs> she literally just swore an oath on her, um, her like, hunter-ness. Right. And now her hunt <laughs> is over. Right, because it doesn't matter because Matt blew the horn. But yeah, he's just like, fine, I guess you're my responsibility. She's like, I'm no one's responsibility. And he's like, whatever. And he just like, he's on a horse and he grabs her arm and just like throws her up onto the horse behind him. (laughs) And she's laughing because she likes that he's this grumpy. Yeah. She loves that she's having this effect on him. And yeah, she's about every minute of it. I love it. I'm loving the parent and Fayil right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's fun. It, It doesn't always remain fun. But it's fun right now. Yeah. And it's it's generally good. I don't need it to remain fun forever. Right. Some, it's a, it's a, a little angst is series. fun. <laughs> More than a little angst. Well, yeah. This is depression it's, the series. It's, yeah, it's Wheel of Time. They're all angsty. Yeah, so they get into the city. And both Perrin and Loyal feel that there's something wrong. Yeah, pretty quickly. Well, Perrin's like, this feels like the other towns that they've been to where something had felt wrong. The Where they met the guy, the wolf brother. Yeah. Whatever, whatever town that was. It's not every town. But whatever that town was, he yeah. felt... He's, he, Jara? Jara. He's like, this feels like the type of wrong that I felt in Jara. Yeah. And actually, thinking about it, I think that they're picking up on two different things. So we learn that Ilian is controlled by Samuel, one of the Forsaken. Mm-hmm. Maureen goes off, comes back like three pages later. Um, I think we'll that's what. That bit, I think that's I what confused. Loyal is picking up on is the the Forsakenness yeah. in the city. And I think what Perrin's picking up on is the Dark Hound. That would make sense because the Dark I, Hounds are following Rand. I was thinking that either he could sense Gray Men or Dark. Hound. I think he can also sense. I mean, I don't know if he can sense Gray Men, but he can certainly smell them. Yes, you can. You cannot be noticeable, except you still have a smell. Right. So he can sense gray men because of their smell. But yeah, I think he's picking up on the dark hounds. I think him and Loyal are picking up on two different things. Right. It's just in Ilian, it's both. Yeah. One of the things that we learn when they're kind of like going through is Loyal's kind of concerned because this is close to his like homesteading and Ogier come here because Ilian has Ogier stonemason built buildings, mm-hmm. like the palace. Uh, there's actually a fun a fun little tip in it about the palace. Um, but the Ogier, so Loyal is worried that the ogre would be there and that they would recognize him and take him back. And he doesn't want to go. Except that the ogre that were there had disappeared sometime that winter. And I kind of think that that might be related to the Forsaken. Right. Because and Maureen that's why... and Lan both comment that ogre are more sensitive to things like that. Right. So it would make sense that the ogre left because they're like, something's evil here. I'm going back to the setting. Right. And if my like mental calendar of what happens in the Wheel of Time is correct, last winter was when the confrontation of the Eye of the World. And that's when the Forsaken were first revealed to have been free. Six months passed while they were traveling stones. So it's been a year. Right. So I'm wondering... Which was definitely in... No, it wasn't hot. It was hot. Yeah. Yeah, No, the winter... It's been a year since winter night already. So I think... And it's been a year... It's been a couple months since last winter night. It's been a year and a half since winter night. I think they're talking about the anniversary night winter, not winter night winter. Yeah, because Perrin, I think, comments earlier in the book about how, like, it's only been a year. Yeah. He comments that, like, oh, it's winter night again. Yeah. Anyway, so the the tidbit about the palace in Ilion. There, I forget what the palace is called, but there's a there's a king of Ilion who is missing. And there are kind of, like, two governing bodies in Ilion. There's the king and the, the council of nine. And at one point, the king
King Emilian says, you can build your palace however you like. It just can't be bigger than mine. And so the Council of Nine, who are like all like influential merchants and nobles, mm-hmm. super rich people, build an exact replica of the palace just one foot smaller in every dimension. Which is big dick energy. No, that's small dick energy. You want to exactly replicate something just a little smaller. No, that's like totally needling. Like That's like the prank where you move everything in someone's room six inches to the left. Yes. It's the same prank. I guess. Because it's like, you can't do it. Like, you you know that something's off. Because you're like, something feels off, but I can't figure out what it is because someone just moved everything over six inches. Brilliant. Love it. Big okay. energy. Yeah, I guess. Sure. I don't know that I see it the same way. Either way, fun little tidbit. It's, a, it's like a cool, like, little world-building detail. Yeah, it's so funny to me. <laughs> um, They go to a... They, they end up at a tavern because of course they do um moraine leaves because she's like something's wrong and i'm gonna figure out what well this is that's after so they're like they're doing stuff at the inn and then the gray men attack and then mm, right gray men first perrin continues to blush a jestive song and i don't know why that goes on for four pages but it does <laughs> Oh, you know what else goes on for four pages? The birds. At the, the beginning birds. of this section, at the start of chapter 41, Robert Jordan goes on for literally a page and a half about the random birds that Perrin is seeing on the boat. It's just bird watching hour, and I don't understand. I don't get it. Like, I get that we've got this whole bird imagery around Perrin with, like, a falcon and a hawk, but, like, none of the birds he sees are falcon and hawks. He's They're just, just like, watching... random, like, river birds. He's just watching pigeons and pelicans, just, like... Yeah, it's super weird. Yeah, and it's a weird way to start. And it feels like it's the start of a book, just without all the wind imagery. Yeah, it's just like, it's like it's he just starts, a weird start of a chapter. He starts every book with the wind blowing through the landscape and like using that to illustrate ha- how the world is doing right now. Well, that's after his first paragraph of like, it wasn't the no, no, beginning, it was a beginning. That, that is the first paragraph. Oh, yeah. He uses the exact same paragraph at the beginning of every book, which if I haven't said it before, and I probably have, brilliant way. Everyone struggles with the first paragraph paragraph of a book right. and Robert Jordan went hey I had one for I have the world let me just use it for, for 14 every, books every single book starts that way it's it's actually really great and like I like it because it it does illustrate how the world is doing what's going on in a not a personal way but something that feels like very I don't know if it feels more real but it, it just it feels good to like sit in the, like even when bad things are happening and bad things do happen it, it's just like okay the wind is the wind is blowing the world is living. Yeah. Even when the world is dying, it's like that's just a part of... Yeah. It's nice. It's interesting. This is not episode one, though. This is episode eight, where he talks about birds for a page and a half in chapter 41. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it was well written. I guess. I, I glossed over it, because I'm like, this is just about a bunch <laughs> just of birds. birds. And it has literally no bearing on the rest of the stuff. No, it doesn't. It's just like bird, 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 bird. Fahil and Moraine are mad at each other. Yep. Like... Yep. And then later on, we get something more relevant and similar in the form of Perrin being really embarrassed by a song. Yes, it is very suggestive. It's very embarrassed by it. Yeah, which I recently had the, like, Weep for Manatherin song from season one stuck in my head, and I can't, kind of can't wait for them to do this bit in the show, because they, they kill it with the music. They do. Do you think they're gonna have just, like, a randomly suggestive song that makes Perrin embarrassed? I hope they do. Because, like, it's totally unnecessary, but I kind of hope they do it. And, like, I feel like Marcus Rutherford, the uh, actor who plays Perrin, could do really well in that scene. He could play embarrassed really well. <laughs> yeah. And I'm excited for it. <laughs> Perrin. 
And like Fael continues to needle him. He does. I just love her. She's a she's a character. <laughs> she's got some really fun aspects to her. But then Grey Man attack and the party's in. Six of them. And Perrin sees him coming. Yeah, he does. Lan doesn't even really see him coming. Because yeah, they're like, Grey Men, right? Like they, they, they get a whole bunch of bad things happen in a row. Like they find out that there are no ships going to Tyr. Right. And that all ships to Tyr have been banned. And then Grey Men attack. And then Moraine leaves. And it. I honestly thought that a page had been ripped out of the book. Like I looked at the page <laughs> numbers because I was just like, where did this come from? And now Maureen and Lan are having like this big goodbye. And I'm like, okay, I guess Maureen's got three pages later. She's back. What? It's gonna, yeah, yeah. It kind of felt like it was going to be like a little mini great hunt where it's like Maureen is around for a little bit, then nopes off, reads a book, gets attacked by a bat, and then doesn't show up again. Yeah. But, but she comes back like two pages later. I know. And it just like, it, it was so weird. I don't I don't get that. I, I think what made it weird was the interaction her and Lan. Yeah, Lan took it real serious. Yeah. And I just don't under, it felt a little out of character. I, I'm wondering if Lan kind of suspected what Moraine suspected and that there was a forsaken in the city. And so he was like, not even for a little bit can you leave. Because that, that's the, like, on, the only way it would really make sense for it to be as quick as it was. There was just missing information. It felt like there was a missing Moraine scene. Yeah. And that's why I thought that there had been a page missing. Right. Leading up to it because I just like it went from zero to 60. And Robert Jordan doesn't go from zero to 60. He no. takes his time describing every point one miles that it takes to get up right. to 60. <laughs> so like. <laughs> yeah. But then she comes back and she's like, we got to go. There is a forsaken in the city. You gotta go. The doctor's gone. Yep. Except instead of the doctor, it's a Forsaken. And instead of him being gone, he's here. Yeah, it's an ancient evil guy. Yeah. So they leave. They do. And Perrin has some more weird dreams. But these are less weird. He's clearly getting his footing in the world of dreams. He's starting to. Well, he's dreams before Moraine comes in. Yeah, but those are more normal. He's he's having some dreams. He doesn't find Hopper. Apparently Matt is just like playing dice with Balsamon, which try your luck there dude. It's something that would have to Well, it's the Dark One's luck. Um, Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elena are in a cage, and then Hopper finally comes. He's like, the last hunt comes. And then he wakes up to Fael just watching him sleep. Yeah, it's a little creepy. <laughs> and actually, uh, Matt Tangent, there is a ability for warlocks in D&D 5th edition. The Dark One's own luck, which I'm pretty sure is inspired by Matt. Mm. He has the Dark One's own luck. I guess. People keep telling him that and he does not like it. No. But yeah, so Fahil's just like watching him sleep and Perrin basically yeah. does the equivalent of like that scene in Harry Potter when Hermione wakes, wakes Ron up and Ron just like clutches the blanket to his chest yeah. even though he's clothed and Perrin's not clothed so he does just like pull his blankets up. Fahil's not phased. And then Moraine bursts in and is like, we gots to go. Yup. Yeah. Yup. And then before they leave Ilian, I think this is before they meet back up with Moraine, they discover a paw print in stone. Yes. I think this is the second time we've seen paw prints in stone. I don't remember. It, it might not be. Um, But Lan tells them that that means dark hounds and dark hounds are like big trouble. Yeah. And we kind of see why because later on they're, they're running. Uh, Perrin kind of goes into the wolf dream and talks to Hopper. Hopper's like, get the fuck away from mm-hmm. Hopper's Hopper thinks they're bad news. Moraine thinks they're bad news. Lan thinks they're bad news. Lan manages to kill one, but it's kind of off screen. Yeah. And then we kind of like really quickly get to them like galloping through the woods. And Fayil decides to stay with them and that makes Perrin a little suspicious. That he's does like, make Perrin a little suspicious. He's like, why are you choosing to stay with us? Clearly we're bad news. 
Right. What do you actually want? And then he opens his mouth and about Rand. Rand's the dragon, which like, okay. And well. then Moraine's like, and you can't leave now. Right. Good job, Perrin. Yep. Fael's stuck with them. And Loyal just like regrets his choices for a bit. Like, that's a that's a common thread with Loyal. What did he get himself into? He's like, what did I get myself into? He's I just, just wanted to read my books. He's just a nice boy, nice <laughs> ogier boy who wants to read and write books. Hey, but he also wants adventure. He does. Because he wants to write books, so he has to live adventure in order to write an adventure. Yep. So they're running through the woods and they get to the top of the hill and Maureen's like, we're not going to outrun them. We need to fight them. And then she... Well, before that, Perrin takes out his bow. Oh yeah, he like... And he sinks like a full like six or seven arrows into one of their heads. Yeah. And it does not go down. No, it doesn't. Like he, he doesn't even manage to kill one. And lands like, if you hit one in the eye, if you get lucky and you hit one in the eye, maybe you'll kill it. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't do it. And then Moraine kind of explodes in Balefire. Yep. Which we still don't really know what it is. But we now know that it is forbidden. Yep. And that she could get stilled just for knowing how to do it. Not even just do it. Not for doing it. Just for, for knowing, knowing how. Yeah. And there there is good reason for that. We will find out exactly what Balefire can Which do. Which just makes me wonder, how did Nynaeve... Like, if this clearly is a skill that is hard to figure out. Yeah. How did Nynaeve figure it out? She's real powerful. I get why Rand did, because, you know... Rand at least has the soul of Luz Theron bobbing around. Yeah, so he's got, like... He's got past lives somewhere in him that he, it's running on muscle memory, sort of. Right. Like, it's in his subconscious. Right. And there's... There's definitely something about powerful channelers being able to kind of reach beyond what they know how to do instinct. Yeah. Egwene has done it. Nynaeve does it a lot. Mm-hmm. Like that's right now that's Nynaeve's whole thing. I wouldn't be surprised if didn't Egwene in one of her dreams watch Rand Balefire or something? Probably. So I wouldn't be surprised if somehow instinct Egwene built it too, just because she at least yeah. saw it done. Or now right. that she's seen Nynaeve do it. She's actually seen it done, so she, she might be able to replicate that. Uh, but, like, Nynaeve's whole thing right now is raw, instinctive power. Um, which, you know, her block is not not great, and it needs to needs to be resolved faster. But... there needs to be a different... Yeah. But the flip side of that is we get some of Nynaeve's... Some of Nynaeve's kind of, like, power can be instinct-driven. Where she's able to do things that nobody else can because she's doing them in her own way. Mm. Like her healing, right? When she's healing the Aiel in the last section, she's healing her own way with herbs and power. And Elaine and Egwene are sitting there basically commenting like they've never seen it they've never seen this much of the power poured into somebody they've never seen as complicated weaves and they've never seen healing done that and so Nynaeve's really like forging her own path because she's combining what she already knew how to do right well probably because she's always been doing it right she's always at least subconsciously channeled a little bit of one power in her healing which right. is probably why she was such a good wisdom right and so the like good that can come out of Nynaeve's unfortunate blocking storyline is that Nynaeve gets to, in a way that none of the other channelers really do, she gets to forge her own path, be yeah. her own type of channeler. She's not an Aes Sedai. No. She's Nynaeve. Yeah. So that's that's the good that comes out of it. Here, though, Moraine is full Aes Sedai. She learned, it, she learned how to Balefire from somewhere. She's doing it because it's the last result. It does. It wipes them out. Yep, it wipes them out. And uh, she's like, I did not do that. No one saw that. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, and she's also like, we need to leave because that was like a goddamn beacon. Yeah. Which like, I, I, 
I think she's maybe overestimating herself a little bit. Better safe than sorry. Though. Better safe than sorry. It's one of the Forsaken. Right. Like, the Forsaken are used to dealing with... Even if it wasn't, like, a... I think she probably is talking about it in a way of, like, someone can feel that amount of power. Even if right. that's not true, it's a shit ton of light and it's dark outside. <laughs> yes. So, like... And it is... Presumably, Samuel knows that there are dark hounds and a bunch of light around where the dark hounds might be. Right. Is maybe a, a little bit of an indicator. But in terms of, like, power, like, Moraine is powerful, but, like, clearly, like, Lanfear does not consider her a threat at all. And they're used to dealing with people who are stronger than Nynaeve, yeah. like, regularly. Like, they're used, they, they fought Luz Theron. Right. So, that's all the alien stuff, pretty much. Yep, then we switch into Matt. Then we switch into Matt. Who, and we get, oh literally, God. not even, like, that section that we read for the quote for this episode is the first thing we get in Matt's perspective. Yeah. Mid-chapter, switch to Matt, cutting open a firework, and I'm like, you did not even waste time. Not at all. Matt kind of goes some places in this section, too. Like, he starts off cutting cutting fireworks open, and we end up with him in the royal palace of Andor. With a flower in his hair. (laughs) Yeah. We'll get there. I love him so much. But yeah, no, literally the first thing he does after being given fireworks is open the fireworks. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming he did other things because he's not opening them inside. The first thing we see. But the first thing we see is he, him cutting open a like firework. He's cutting him open and is like, oh, this is just dirt. And, <laughs> God damn it. And poor Tom is just like, what the fuck are you doing? You're going to get us killed. If I'm going to die, I'm going to decide when. Which is kind of funny because, like, Tom's clearly recovering because... His whole reason for going to Caitlin was like, hey, the queen will probably kill me. Yeah. He's got a death wish, but I think he doesn't actually have a death wish. Right. He's just sad. He's just sad. Tom has not lived an easy life. No. He's not having sad boy hours. He is just he's having just sad. sad hours. Yeah. Sad boy hours implies that, like, okay, dude, you need to get it together. And right. Like, th- this isn't that bad. To be no, fair. No, Tom is... To be fair, Rance is that bad. But he's also kind of being... He's being a, he's being a little overdramatic. Yeah, he's being a little overdramatic about yeah. But Tom does not like that Matt is opening fireworks. No, he doesn't. And then a bunch of robbers come. And Matt shoots one with a firework. Yep. <laughs> God damn it. They thought that there was an ice that I near too, because he does it so inconspicuously that right. it just like randomly explodes and they're like oh my god wait where's the eyes and I and then dead right so Matt is inventing guns I guess I guess well he's using gun uh, gunpowder propelled projectiles and explosives yeah so but secretly so he he's basically pretending it was yeah that fits yeah, it does. It uh, it's it's very Matt. And then they get to Caitlin. Then they get to Caitlin. And he just walks right up to the palace. Right. He's he's a little dumb. He doesn't know all the things that are happening. They heard a little bit about uh, Morgay's kind of being way more strict and about this Lord Gabriel character. But he didn't understand the ex- to the extent that it is. Right, and even accounting for that, he's he's kind of like I should have. I should have mentioned more that, questions. And also, he's like I should have probably mentioned that I had a letter from Elaine to. Her her mother. Right. He should have said that first instead of saying, I'm coming from Tarvalin. And he also is like, I should have asked Elaine. Right. <laughs> He's kind of kicking himself here. It's not great. Then he goes back to the Queen's Blessing and finds out that the Queen has a new advisor. And that a lot of the guards have been cleared out. Gareth Brynn has been sent off. He's like the captain commander of the Queen's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gareth Brynn has been sent off and a lot of his men have been replaced. 
with Lord Gabriel's men. Right. And apparently more gays might be him too. There's a rumor going right. around that she might marry him. Something's Weird. up. Something's up. I don't trust him. Right. And the for more reasons than just he wants to kill Elaine. <laughs> yes. All of the uh all of the all of Gabriel's men are basically like kind of shitty at their jobs, yeah. somewhat abusive to the populace and not trustworthy. And the handful of Morghese's people that remain seem to be trusted. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, there's a clear difference between Morghese's people and Gabriel's people. And uh, Basil Gill is not particularly happy about what's happening. No, he's not. Because he, I mean, he's a Queen's man through and through. Yeah. And he's like, this isn't right. Gabriel's weird and I don't like him. Yeah. And he's kind of thinking of, like, closing up the Queen's Blast. It's like, things have apparently not gotten... Since the <laughs> Rand left Camelin and... Riots started happening because it's Rand. Things have not been going great in Camelin. <laughs> it's like Rand leaving, like opened up this hole in Camelin for Gabriel to just kind of like sneak inside. It's not not great. Thanks, Rand. But who knows? Maybe it had to happen. Yeah, I mean, maybe something about this situation sets something up for Rand later. That is what I'm wondering about. Like all of the all of the things Rand leaves behind in all town. Like how much of it is those pure, things needed to happen? Right. Or, how much of it is just pure Taviran warping of random chance? Or how much of those things? Like, did all of those people in that village need to be married to each other? Right. Like, did that town need to have their springs dried up so that it would fall? Like, I don't know. Like, right. And especially like if you take Matt into account, Perrin's Taviran nature has really revealed itself. No. His his Tavir in nature seems to be mostly just the fact that he can talk. Right. And but I is... also don't know, is that his Tavirinness or is he Tavirin because he can talk? Like, can he talk to wolves because he's Tavirin and the pattern needed him to be able to talk to wolves? Or did the pattern look at him and go, oh, he can talk to wolves. I can use him to warp the pattern. Yeah, I'm just going to make him Tavirin. Right. Like, which one came first, the chicken or the egg? Right. Uh, it's definitely, he's just a wolf brother who is a Tavirin, and he is a specific soul. Rand, Matt, and Perrin are all specific souls spun out in pattern. Rand has a name. He's the dragon. The other two are not necessarily named because they're really only... Well, because Matt does have that, like, channeling of the old tongue and the Manetherin, and he's yeah. having visions of people from old Manetherin. Yeah, that one's actually especially weird. Uh, we will we will learn why in... Actually, Soon. Relatively soon. Not this book, but soon. Um, But they do all have elements... I didn't necessarily think of Perrin's wolfiness as being a channeling of older souls. I definitely thought of Matt's as being able to kind of channel the yeah. memories of... And now he's but got it kind of makes luck. sense that the wolf, like anyone who can talk to wolves, you're not necessarily channeling the memories of... Past wolf brothers. Of past wolf brothers, but you're channeling the memories of past wolves current um, and present. Like, I, I think it's more that wolves remember. And so other you, you will experience kind of long-form memory through other wolves that will pass those along. They've all got this element of being able to remember the memories of the past through right. a living creature, whether yeah. that is Perrin through the wolves, Rand, Saren, and past other dragon too, and Yeah, Matt although through... I think it's, it is kind of important to note that Rand has not actually read anything. Not cognitive. He gets, like, feelings. Of, like, this place familiar, yeah. or I'm able to bail fire even though I wasn't taught how to do anything. Right. And Matt is just sitting here with his luck. And also able to talk. That's also true, yes. And he also has had a couple, in this book, he's had a couple memories of Manetherin's battle. That's true. He's had, like, visions. That is true. It's weird. I don't know. Anyway, we um, when talking about Taviran, like, it's it's interesting to see, like, what is kind of you, what, what Taviran aspects are they taking on? Because Rand has kind of all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt 
is clearly very, very lucky, and we, it hasn't really been shown what Perrin does to be Tavira. Yeah. Uh, I know what it is, obviously. It's far more subtle, which kind of makes sense. Perrin is like a, a strong, silent type. Grump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Perrin, Perrin kind of sits back and gives other people space. Mm-hmm. So his Tavira nature kind of matches or something. Yeah. And, and it Matt's also matches his personality. Yeah, he just wants a good time. Yeah. And uh, he finds gambling to be a good time, so he's very lucky. And, I mean, he's just lucky in other things in general. Like, he wants to be able to show off, and you need luck to show off, or else yes. you're going to... Or else things are going to blow up in your face. Indeed. Intent. Yes. Because <laughs> he's basically just like, yeah, I'm lucky this didn't explode. Yeah. God damn it, Matt. Love him. Anyway, back to Camelin. There at the Queen's blessing. He yeah. gets all this information. He decides he's going to try to go to the palace again. Right. This time... He pulls a rand. He pulls a rand. On purpose, though. Yes. Rand didn't do it on purpose. He just wanted to see what's Logan. Logan. Yeah, and uh, but Matt's this time like, it's like uh, Rand said that I could just climb over this thing, so I'm gonna climb over this thing. And he does. He does, and he scrolls. He strolls through the garden and he, puts a flower in his hair. He just like he's like, oh, that's pretty, and he plucks it and he puts it in his hair, which is that's by energy. I guess, yeah. It's just disaster by doing what he wants. Yep. Just like tra la 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 la. I'm sneaking through a palace. I'm not supposed to be here, but I've got right. a letter. Like he literally decides to just sneak to the throne room. Yep. Which, like, bad idea, man. But he's lucky. He's lucky, and he overhears a conversation between... The Great Master. The Great Master and someone named Komar. And the Great Master wants Elaine dead and is like, you might as well kill the other two while you're at it. Right. Something about what Gabriel, the Great Master, wants is... Impeded by what Elaine and actually, I really it's just I think Elaine is Morgay's daughter. Like it's it's pretty clear that Gabriel is making a power play here. Yeah, I don't think he's a dark friend necessarily. You just think he's a bad guy. I just think he's a bad guy. You don't have to okay. be. You don't have to be a dark friend. Be bad. No, Umbridge in Harry Potter is a perfect example. She's don't not like cloaks. She's not Umbridge is not a Death Eater. She's no. just awful. Yeah, the White Cloaks. The White Cloaks as well. They're awful people. Awful people, not dark friends. Right. So I don't think necessarily that he is... If Because if he was a dark friend, he would have immediately said, I want all of dead. Yeah. And Nynaeve and Elaine, or Nynaeve and Egwene are kind of an afterthought of, yeah. if they get in your way, kill them. Mm-hmm. And you might as well kill them anyway, because if... The, if they know you killed Elaine, and they're going to get back to me. Yeah. So they're a byproduct. Whereas they are, yeah. if they if he was a dark friend, he'd be like, I need you to kill all three. Yeah. It is important that none of them get away. Right. They all need to be dead for my purposes. Yeah. Makes sense. So uh, he's just playing the game of houses. I think he's just playing the game of houses. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I don't necessarily get dark friend vibes yet. Yet. Creepy vibes. He's... I'm just not necessarily assuming that everyone who's evil is a dark friend. Very, very fair. Not everybody is. And also, because of Ingtar in last book, we can't necessarily assume that all dark friends are actually horrible. That's true. There's nuance. There is redemption. There's redemption. There's nuance. There's... And there's levels of dark friends. I mean, you've got Pat and Fane, who I'm not even sure is human anymore, and who has not shown up. He has not. Where is he? Uh, around. <laughs> I don't, I, I feel the hesitation and worry in your voice, and that is what I am feeling. It is not the same level of, where is Bella? That's just worry. Bella? Yeah. That's just worry. Where's Bella? But worry in like a, but I want Bella. Yeah, you can't, you can't deny the creator. But my worry of where is Pat and Fane is... When it's like in the bad way, it's like when is he gonna pop up? Where is he? What has he been doing? Yeah, because he's got the he doesn't have the dagger. He doesn't have the dagger. Which like maybe if he just stays away from the dagger long, he's fine. He was in. Well, and he was in. Is it is the the dagger tainting him or is he drawing strength from the dagger? Because it's pretty heavily hinted at slash confirmed that like 
he had an encounter with Mordeth that was a little bit more real than the boys in book one. Because they didn't actually from Mordeth. Right. They just... Pat and Fane sort of did. Yeah, I think he actually has some more death in him. Right, and so the dagger may, he may not be affected by missing, or he may not be harmed as much by missing the dagger, since he's got the source of the dagger's taint in him. Yeah, it's becoming least. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I don't know, I guess they, they in the show they may just not bring up Shadow Logoth a bunch. And if they're going to, they think they were calling it the corruption. That's the taint on the one power that they're calling the corruption, which they never actually say. The corruption is better. It, it is better. The taint is an awful phrase. Okay, let's stop saying taint. <laughs> so, <laughs> Matt is strolling through the palace. He, hear, he overhears this conversation. He doesn't see who it is. So he just keeps going and he's just walking down a hallway. <laughs> he's like, oh shit, there's a guard. And so he just walks up, and they're like, how did you get in? He's like, I climbed a wall. And the guard, who we get his name, Talmor, and the, who appears to be one of Morgaze's men, mm-hmm. he's like, God damn it, the fucking, the, the garden wall. You need to make that taller. You need to make it like twice as tall. Talmor seems like an okay dude. And Matt is like, oh yeah, I tried to get in earlier, but this guy, and whatever, and he's like, oh, is it? And then Matt describes him, and he's like, God, that guy sucks job on. Let's go see more gays. And just, like, bold Matt. And then the guy's like, take that flower out of your hair. What are you doing? This is the queen. (laughs) And Matt, like, forgot that he put it there. (laughs) I just, like, I see a little Matt with flower in his hair. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's cute. I like, I just love him. I just, like, I love Matt. That's great. Matt is saving the book for me. Very fair. But then... The fun times gotta stop when we get to more days. He hears Gabriel's voice and he's like, oh, <laughs> that's who wants Elaine dead. Great. Yeah. Then he lies and says he's Els Grinwell's brother. That's why he was in Tarvalin. Els he was Grinwell. visiting Els, Els Grinwell. Linchpin to the Wheel of Time. If she is not somehow mentioned in every single book, I'm going to be <laughs> so upset. I don't need her to show, I don't need her to be important, but she has so far shown up in three books. That's true. She has. So, like, my prediction that Ellis Grinwell would be important holds true. Yeah. She's getting everyone out of scrapes. She is. Well, and also getting people into scrapes in that her appearance is being hijacked by Lanfear. Ooh. And, like, it's not a scrape, but it is Lanfear. It is Lanfear. <laughs> Who's, like, really booking it. She should, how does she get so place? I know. <laughs> That's the point of the podcast. <laughs> I know how she's getting places. I didn't feel like we just need to isolate that. Yeah. Uh, Morgaz, though, gives a lot more information to Matt. Morgaz is, like, in a monologuing mood, apparently, because she, like, talks about Tarvalin a lot. He gives them a lot of information. A lot of it I don't quite remember. I don't fully either, and it's not super important. She does at some point say that if Matt, Elaine again, to, like, let Elaine know that she forgives her, baby. Yeah. like, I didn't mean anything I said. Like, please let my daughter know. And Gabriel is just, like, not happy that she said this either. Right. So clearly he's manipulating her in some way. And that is the only indication that I have that might have something more sinister going on. Yeah. Because if he was just playing the game of houses, is like, Morghais is a strong person. How is he able to corrupt her brain like this? Right. Because he's clearly manipulating her. He's like whispering in her ear the whole time. He like doesn't really ever talk to Matt except at the very end. Yeah, he's just kind of whispering to Morghais and then her body language and like yeah. there's something going on. Right. It's, it's like sinister whispering. It's kind of like the locket in Harry Potter. Like yeah. whispering and causing your brain to think differently and like. Yeah. And this is also very much even when when Gabriel is not whisp- like deeply whispering in her ear, in her ear, uh, 
is not the Morgays we saw in book one. No, she's timid and... Right. And, like, some of that may be that she thought her daughter was in danger, but... And tired. And, but it's not... It's probably not. No, there's something going on. I just, like, I'm torn between, like, 60% of me is pretty sure he's probably not a dark friend, mm-hmm. but 40% of me is like, but maybe he's... Right. And if he if he is, I don't know that he knows the plot that or that Egwene would have to be dead. Maybe he's okay. on a different... Maybe he's on a different mission entirely and right. doesn't have the information. Well, we've kind of established that dark friends don't necessarily talk to each other, necessarily. There was the big dark friend social at the, at the beginning of book two, but they're hiding from each other. They don't want anybody to know their identity. Right. And, like... Some of the some of the dark friends know from Balsamon himself that like Nynaeve and Egwene die. Right, and, and also there was the whole say... reason that they got kidnapped to begin with is that they needed to get they need to be removed from the picture. Right, and but who's to say that different Forsaken one don't have different agendas? Lanfear's agenda is way different than. Uh... We haven't met another for a second. Um, but Lanvir has her own agenda. Yeah, it's completely different from Balsamon. Right. Ostensibly, she has a different uh, goal than the Dark One. Yeah. She's going for power. She's not going for, like, the same type of victory that Ball's going for. No, and she's not. And who's to say that there aren't different groups of dark friends following different Forsaken? She just really wants Theron. Yeah. She is a thirsty bitch. Yup. Only, at least her thirst is for power and not specifically, like, she's, like, she's real about Luz Theron, but it's almost an after, like, Luz Theron, the person, is an afterthought to the power of Luz Theron. Yeah. Because she's also gone after Perrin and Max. Yeah. Because she just wants the power. And I think, I mean, part of I, I think her going after Matt and Perrin is that she knows her friends that get to them. She and she'll them. be able to get there easier. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that is important coming out of this meeting with Morgays and Gabriel is that they kind of dismiss him. And then, like, without even waiting for him to, like, turn around and leave, they continue to have a, a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, they just don't even consider him to be a person. And they're talking about you know, Gabriel's trying to convince Morgays to finally invade Kyrian. Now that the king is dead, because Oops. she has a claim, she apparently has a claim to the throne through her marriage to Tarangal Damager, yeah, who is also dead. So I don't know how that claim would work. But Gabriel's like, go invade this other country; it's yours. I mean, maybe if she knew who would make that possible, she wouldn't kill Tom, because Tom is the one who killed him. That's so... true. That's true. Yeah, Tom did kind of make that possible. And who's to say that that would necessarily be a bad... I mean, I'm assuming it's a bad thing. You know, I, I would assume it's a bad thing. Gabriel's the one suggesting it. But it maybe wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Kyrian if Endor took over. Yeah. Because Kyrian's a mess. They clearly never recovered from the Aiel War. Because nope. when Rand's there in book two, there are all the towers that are, like, broken down and in the process of being rebuilt. The difference between the foregate and the inner city is crazy, and I don't know that it would be much better under, like, Endoran noble rule, but at least the inner city and the outer city of Camelon are a little bit better off compared to each other than the yeah. four data in the inner well, city. Well, they were, I don't know. That's true. Because Gabriel. Right. And then Tom killed their king, who was a dark friend. No, their king wasn't a dark. But Barthana's Diamondred was a dark. The guy whose party they went. Yes. So, and... like, there's bad shit happening in Kyrian, and it maybe wouldn't be the worst thing for Andor to take them over, but not like... No, not because Gabriel won. Right. Yeah. We end... It, like a, a mild, not a cliffhanger, 
but very much a there's clearly more to come on this storyline. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like ran, like math doesn't end like okay, well we're gonna go save Elaine or fuck that. He doesn't. He kind of say like uh, clearly I've got to go after Elaine now. He it, he does, but he's not. He, we don't even end with him back at the Queen's Blessing. No, he's got a half plan for him. Right, and so it's like okay, there's there's a, just a next step. Yeah, which is kind of fitting for where we are, right? Like we're not at a cliffhanger point in the story, or at a things are about to really kick off. Right, like you can kind of feel feel the tension having. So we're like we're not actually truly eighty percent of the way because we included the prologue and yeah. the page count, so we're like seventy six percent of the way. Through. Right. So like, at least according to my good percentage. Okay. So we are about to hit that big all is lost plot that spirals the yeah. the last act book. Yeah. We're about to kick into act. Yes. That's very true. It's a short act three, but the the act three in these books tend to be a little shorter. I mean, act three always is shorter. You've got like, you know, you've got the first 20%, which is like act one. You've got the bulk of your book is act two, and then the last 20% is act three. Okay. I feel like even accounting for that is a, it's a little short. It's a, it's a shorter real time book. The next book is long. I think it's the longest one aside from, I think there are two longer ones. I think book four, third longest, six is the longest, I think, and then four. Four looks the biggest, but it's also that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Right. I was, I, I was sitting here thinking that A Court of Wings and Ruin was shorter than A Court of Mist and Fury because the book was skinnier, but then they just the thickness on me. And so <laughs> it was like, I just kept reading and I'm like, oh, I don't have that much left. 200 pages. It looked, it just kept going. Yep, yep. Good book. It just kept going. You know what else keeps going? Recurring segments. Recurring segments. <laughs> we keep them going. They do recur. They do. Auras and dreams. Moraine does seem to think that Fael is the falcon for Perrin. And we haven't had evidence to the contrary. We haven't had it, but I'm not willing to cross that one off yet because we haven't found the hawk. That's true. So we have not yet found the hawk. I have not. Li- I actually have a running list in which I do cross them off when I've discovered <laughs> what they are. So you do. I have not struck a line through it yet. You do. Speaking of Fail and Perrin, I feel a ship update coming on. I also feel an only one bed coming on, and this if there, I really want there to be an only one bed. It's like we've gotten some of my favorite tropes so far. We've gotten, we've started to get the grumpy sunshine. Yep. We've got a slow burn with Lanive. Yep. This is definitely forced proximity with Perrin and Vail now. Forced proximity is another one of my favorites. And only one bed. It just hit. We we were almost there because he woke up and Fayil was watching him sleep. Yep. So like almost. Almost. I feel like this is my prediction for how how I if an only one bed did not happen, how I would probably end up writing it for Perrin and Fayil uh-huh. is that like you know they're forced to share a room and Perrin's like no I'll sleep on the floor. Yeah. And so you get like that like oh nope. Yep. You get, like, the tease of the only one bed, and then it would eventually be very, they do share a bed. It would be very parent. But, like, you're going to get, like, only one bed blue-balled for a couple times before, <laughs> <laughs> before it actually happens. All right. All right. I can absolutely see Perrin being like, I'll just sleep on the floor. You can have the giant bed. <laughs> okay. Is Perrin, uh, is Perrin and Fael, are Perrin and Fael, an official ship? I mean, they're not my OTP. Well, that doesn't mean they're not a ship. I think it's a ship. I okay. think I, I think I need to see where this is going. Okay, we'll need to think of or find a ship name for them because it's Lenny and Swarain. I don't know what this would be. We'll think about it, we'll or we'll find it. one. We'll probably find one because I'm sure it exists. Oh yeah, you could just have to Google it. Yeah, it it's out there. You yep. just have to Google it. You have to Google it though because I, I do. Can't. Yeah, because you can't Google anything. Even even if you weren't trying to Google something that is potentially spoiler heavy, you can't Google things for the Wheel of Time because you will get spoiled. Yep. There's so much of it. I have accidentally gotten a couple spoilers that I'm actively trying to purge from my brain. Yeah, yeah. 
because I Googled a thing and because I... That was a mistake. Yep. Should have just called you and been like, who is this person? Yep. <laughs> Can't remember their name. Yeah. Favorite moments. Land being sassy and amused. That is good. That's good. I just... Anytime show land just kind of pops up in the book. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. And anytime book land pops up in the show. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Matt putting a flower in his hair as he breaks into the castle. I don't know why, it's, but it's, it's just... Good. It's very much... It, it's so out of place, but <laughs> it's, it's not... It's not out of character because no. it's because it's Matt. Right. If it was like Perrin, I'd be like, why? What is this out of character moment? Right. But it's completely in Matt's Rain character. Rain could put a flower in his hair, though. That wouldn't be. No, it would be out of character. It would feel weird. But it wouldn't be that out of character. Per- Rain would need a reason Rand to do it. Rain would do it because he needed, because he was trying to camouflage himself. Or, right. because, he or was... because he thought somebody would like it. Yes. Like if he thought Egwene would like it, he Matt would do it. Matt puts a flower in his hair because he likes it. Right. And also because he's kind of a hayseed at heart. A what? A hayseed. He's just from the country. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. Yep. My favorite moment is Matt and Morgay's talking. One, because Matt lies about his name. He just kind of picks two random names that he knows. He's like, um, Tom, um, Grinwell. Els Grinwell is my sister. Yeah. Yeah, And he's traveling with Tom. So there's that. But I also really like how in that scene you like really feel the tension and none of it's aimed at Matt. Yeah. Matt's feeling the tension in the room that Gabriel is there mm-hmm. and Morghese is acting a little weird and he knows that things aren't great in the city. But none of it's at him. Right. It's like low low stakes for Matt tension. Yeah. Fairly high stakes overall. It is a city. Yep. She is a queen and Elaine has murderers coming after her. Yep. So it's not great. At least they're not great. At least they're not great, man. That would not that be good. That is the other tick in the he's not a dark friend column. He's not sending shadow spawn. Right. Sending corrupt. Yeah. But corrupted by him, not by... Not necessarily by evil. Yeah. He, they're not tainted corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. But the book, the book uses it. It's the taint. It's the taint. It's the dark one's taint. With that, we're going to end. This was Please. chapters 41 to 46. Uh, next episode, chapters 47 to 50. Bye. Bye. <laughs>